Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie's here. We are both struggling, recording late because that's the way the world works. So I got a trivia for you first. This one's very tricky. I'm going to tell you up front. The most number of retirements in a Formula One race is... What number, what race? Triple points if you can get the year. Um, that's a good question. I feel like... I think there was a race where like only three cars finished or something like that, but I don't remember what race it was. Hold, I got to think on this for a second. No, but I don't no, this isn't how many finished. This is how no, many retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... It can't. I don't think it's Monaco of '96. It's got to be. Oh, wait a second. Most number of retirements. Yes. Uh. I I feel like I saw I saw this recently or I heard this recently. Is it South Africa '93? No, it is. It is not. Okay. It is Indianapolis 1951 when the Indy 500 was technically part of the F1 calendar and the record is 25. Okay. So well, I'm going to keep getting stumped and this is going to get boring. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting too easy now. But I mean, if somebody else other than Cody could sub- submit questions, well, I got a couple others, but they weren't nearly as tricky as Cody's. But anyway, we will move on from that. We'll discuss Monaco for a few minutes. This is going to be a really short episode because we're recording late and it's already midday Friday. So Monaco again showed us that qualifying in F1 has garbage rules that when you crash, you can still keep your starting position. (laughs) And I know people I saw plenty of them. Well, and the rules don't need to be like IndyCar. I'm not saying it has to be exactly the same, but there should be a penalty for the fact that you cause an accident in qualifying, regardless if it's Monaco or a track with a little bit more room to breathe. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I like the rule in IndyCar where you lose your like fastest lap time or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you lose everything and you have to go to the back. But you should lose like your your fastest lap time or what is it in IndyCar's two fastest laps or something? Depends on if it's a local yellow or a, a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like that rule because, yeah, I think you should be penalized for that because, I mean, then you, you basically get to work on your car, like get a, all new parts and everything rebuild. I know you're you're obviously putting yourself at a disadvantage by crashing, but... Yeah. I don't know. I think just the disadvantage of having to rebuild the car itself is not enough of a punishment for kind of ruining a session. I mean, if you red flag a session, somebody could be on a lap that was going to be faster than yours. And, you know, they don't get to put that time up on the board. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. It's just not a good rule. And anyway, there's only a few (laughs) really a few things to talk about from the race. First, race control. What did you think about the 
well, we're not going to start on time because it's sprinkling. Okay, now we're going to start. Oh, wait, hold on. It's downpouring, and now there's puddling everywhere, and now we can't start. And then we finally started. Um, I mean, watching that in the IMS Media Center was really frustrating because obviously we wanted to go down and start uh, kind of seeing all the pre-race activities going on. Yeah. And we were just trying to get the race started so we could see the start of it. But I did not like the indecisiveness. I think if you had just started the race and run, then you wouldn't have had that issue with the puddling. And I, I mean, to have a wet race with the way it was, I mean, maybe you would have had to red flag it anyway when the rain got really heavy. But yeah. you would have gotten a few laps in at first and actually gotten the race started. So I'm not sure why they just kept stalling and changing their mind because I think you just have to make a decision and go with it. I think also communication needs to be much better. It felt like broadcast had no idea what was going on. I switched over <laughs> on F1 TV to a couple of the uh, in-car radios and they were like, we don't know what's going on. Why aren't we starting? So there just, there was zero communication and I get, you know, you're, Things are, are are changing pretty quickly there with the weather, but man, I just I just feel like that's just not a good look. But yeah, it's just I hate talking about Monaco because nothing happened. Like other than that, the only other thing that happened that I can think of, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ferrari bungled the strategy. Shocking. We're we're at the point in the year where Ferrari's pulling a Ferrari already. So are are they? Is it too early to say they've? I don't want to say cost themselves the championship necessarily, but later in the year, this is the time when, when you get those points. So if you, if something happens later in the year, you have to take a grid penalty, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we saw Max and Lewis both take grid penalties at various points towards the end of last season. If you're already hamstringing yourself now. It's only going to come back to bite you even more later. I think it's already hurting Ferrari. Yeah, they, they tended to have a good uh, track record of throwing championships away. I mean, they, for in the beginning at least, clearly had the fastest car. I still think it's probably the fastest car. But, I don't know, Red Bull just seems to be able to get it together when they have to, whereas Ferrari, like you said, drops the ball pretty frequently. I don't know why that is, if it's because it's... I mean, it's Ferrari. They should know probably better than anyone how to win a championship based on how many they've won in the past and just their history yep. in F1. Yep. But uh, it, it doesn't ever seem to work that way. They're one of those teams that's just kind of always frustrating because everybody kind of cheers for Ferrari because that's they're just a legend. But yeah, then, then they tend to... I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're cursed. Is it a Schumacher curse or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, the curse of Michael Schumacher and his Ferrari legacy. I'm also going to say it's time for somebody else to call strategy other than Mattia Bonotto because clearly he sucks. <laughs> He's Leclerc didn't crash, though. I got to say. Leclerc didn't crash. Like, I mean, that yeah, sure, that's, that's great. But now they're 50 points behind Verstappen and Red Bull. So it, it's not that great. I'm not that impressed that he didn't crash because they still screwed up the strategy. 
Hey, but Alex Albon is the one to blame for uh, Leclerc not being able to get to the front because he ignored all those blue flags, right? I mean, yeah, listen, that was that was not good. You you should, no matter whether you're playing a video game or playing in real life, <laughs> not ignore blue flag rules because it's annoying. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even if you're already in last, like and yeah, you can't drop matter. any further. Yeah, doesn't matter. I don't care who you are, or how famous you are, if your hair is red or not. You should not ignore blue flag rules, but catching my breath here. I think the only other thing, and and I enjoyed the social media debate on this, is Fernando Alonso holding up half the field. Now it's it's Monaco. There's no room to pass. These cars are giant boats. Are we blaming Fred for holding everybody up? Are we blaming Monaco for holding everybody up? Are we blaming F1 for giant cars? Where does the line fa- where does the line fall on this one? It's his job to hold everyone up and maintain position. Right. He didn't do any blocking. I mean, I blame the track and the cars. The fact that he can get away with it is the problem because I mean, there's the cars literally can't go too wide basically anywhere except coming out of the tunnel. Or maybe yep you know on the uh pit straight but that that's it so how are you gonna make a pass yeah it's just yeah i mean i blame f1 and the cars you know monaco is monaco it is what it is a very tiny circuit that looked good for the cars in 1960 and as the cars have gotten bigger the racing has gotten worse there and you you've seen like there are some epic moments from monaco but they haven't been in the last 10 years at least maybe 15 years i don't know (laughs) yeah it's fading that one all right we're gonna move on from monaco because i have no interest in talking anything else about that happened verstappen leads the championship red bull looks really good right now and i just feel like ferrari is is really going to they've already shot themselves in the foot in in a significant way uh, in the interest of time, we are going to keep this super short. We're going to each name two drivers, one driver who has exceeded expectations. I'm going to change this up on you last minute here. Okay. Who, who has exceeded your expectations so far this year in Formula One? Um, can I just say one thing actually about Monaco before we close that I just can't not mention no, it? we can't. Oh, yeah, okay. go ahead. Um, Lance Stroll's tantrum on the radio was one of the funniest things that I've ever Epic. heard. Epic in a horrible way because he's a little <laughs> baby. <laughs> it was amazing. I land, we'll save that for an episode when we have more time. Again, this one's keeping really short because we're we're way behind on on life this week. Next week we'll have a normal length episode. Okay, so who has? <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Indy Five Hundred. You were so much fun that yeah. we don't have time. You want time? We want time to talk about Monaco. Who's exceeded my expectations? Um, I think that Botas has really exceeded my expectations. Still mine. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because usually right. we were pretty down on him for a, a while, just because he just seemed mentally checked out at Mercedes, and now he seems to have that actual drive again. No pun intended, but he he just really seems to be actually racy. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. 
Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you still mine. So I'll go with George Russell. I think you know, we saw in the preseason that Mercedes was not so good. And Russell has held his own with top fives in every race, almost every race this season. All but monaco maybe i think it's where did he i think he finished well in monaco he finished fifth in monaco so it's literally every race this season he's been in the top five so yeah i don't yeah i'll I'll take russell all right who's been a disappointment um i think unfortunately and I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows that we're a little bit partial to him that Pierre Gasly has been a bit of a disappointment this season. Yeah. All right. You stole both of mine. This is super frustrating. I'm going to take <laughs> Joe Guan Yu. Okay. I, I, and my, I don't know how much I was expecting, but after the first race, he looked just like, all right, there's a lot there, but now I am just not feeling it. thoughts what do uh about Zhou Guan Yu yeah I don't know I don't know how much I really expected from him anyway because where did he finish in F2 and he finished third in F2 uh last year yeah so I guess that's pretty good so maybe I did expect a little bit more but uh, given uh, yeah maybe given the speed that Botas has been showing in the Alfa Romeo he should be finishing in the points more than he is I mean he's just what was it, the first race of the season, and that's it so far? Yeah, I think so. I think that's about it. Okay. I mean, he's right. still ahead of uh, Nicholas Latifi and Mick, unfortunately. Mick is and Ricardo. Oh. They're both of those guys. I'm concerned yeah. about them. Mick and Ricardo definitely should have made our disappointment list. I almost forgot about them, which probably shows how low on the disappointment list they are because they <laughs> and pretty Latifi. much and Latifi doesn't even count. Latifi's in his own category. You can go eat Nutella and sit in his car. Wait, I, care. I learned something. I think I don't know if this is true, but 
I think his mom is like on the board of the company that owns Nutella. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. He probably has like stacks of Nutella <laughs> for free. No, but so that would like so even his love of Nutella is like fake. Like that, <laughs> it's uh, just like I wouldn't he's, say it's fake. It's sponsored. I don't, I don't think that's fair to say. I don't think you could say that one without any proof, because he might actually like Nutella. Like it's pretty. Yeah, good. but no, but I I'm mean, not, I'm not giving you this one. I, no way. Not okay. fair. It's that's not fair to say. All right, I have one or two news items to get to really quickly. And we don't have time for them this week. We're going to have to get to them next Not week. at all? Not at all. Not even Perez signing a new two-year contract? Yeah, yay for Perez. We'll talk about it more next week. All right. All right. Your, the other, your other homework assignment for today, two fantasy picks that people should make on their grid rival lineup. For Baku? For, for Baku, yeah. Um, I think... We're going to want to see Lando. That's who I would I would pick him. Okay. Because one. I think, yeah, I think he's been doing pretty well this season so far in terms of a car that I don't think is very good. And then I'd also say that eh, I'm going to pick Magnuson. I think his okay. luck's going to turn. He was doing pretty well for a while there, and then he's had three really crappy races, so... He's going to come back at Baku. I'm taking Fred for one. I think he is you know, able to play good enough defense at some of these tracks that he'll hold on to some decent points. And he's one of those guys that you can get the little star next to him so you get extra, extra points on grid rival. Also, I'm taking Albon. I know he had his blue flag issues, but his value is super low right now. He's pretty much only above the Haas in terms of value so he might be a guy that you can add in there if you're kind of running out of money he's also eligible for the bonus points with the little star and grid rival so yeah anyway if you're if you're not on grid rival still check it out who knows maybe you could storm <laughs> the last 16 races of the year and and come away with a, a good finish as people that stop would be checking insane. their lineups that would be impressive anyway that's all you get from us this week too bad too bad i hope you deal with it if you don't well we'll be back next week anyway everybody have a lovely weekend of racing hey there my name is michael laminato and this is pit pass f1 a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport from monaco to miami and australia to azerbaijan pit pass f1 is on the ground and has you covered esteemed f1 journalists julianne serasoli and chris medland will take you inside the sport every round They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.